welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. So I want to welcome Avi back to the podcast. Now, as some of you may remember, Avi has been on the podcast introducing us to Ayurveda. She is an Ayurveda consultant in training and is super passionate about helping people to heal their ailments and reach optimal health and happiness through Ayurveda. And I've called her back to the podcast because I want her perspective for my very first holistic prescription. So welcome back, Avi. Hello, it's good to be back. <laughs> it's so nice to have you back. And, I, and I've called you back because, you know, I'm doing my very first holistic prescription. I, I, I do this, these prescriptions based on a doctor body, mind, soul approach. And yeah. that means that I look at the medical model and how that manages um uh, the the concerning health condition that we've got in front of us. Um, I look at the guidelines, I look at the research and just make sure that um, my patients are getting gold standard medical care. And then I look um, at the body, you know, are there any um, supplements? Are there any nutritional guidelines that um, my patients should be following? Again, looking at that from a research perspective. But then we look into the mind and the soul, and it's really here in these um, realms that sort of ancient health systems like Ayurveda really come into their own because these health systems really uh, respect the body-mind connection and can really and really see our bodies from a different light in this way, looking at what emotions get stored where and how we can actually... Um, manage these conditions at a much deeper root cause level okay yeah so you know let me tell you a bit about this patient um so mm -hmm. that we can really dig deep so this patient has got a diagnosis of PCOS so that's polycystic ovarian syndrome um with very high androgen levels and she is losing her hair. So this is a sort of end result um, known as androgynous alopecia. And she's really looking for solutions um, that deal with the hormonal imbalance. Um, and the, what she's been given, the oral contraceptive pill. Yeah. And that on that level, you know, we're managing um, the, it's an anti an anti-androgen um, oral contraceptive. Um, and she's actually really afraid to come off those because she's afraid when the, an when the androgen levels rise, more of her hair will fall out. With the sort of um, any gynecological issues, really, it's important for us to go back and to understand the roles of the doshas in the body um, and the seats that they are in, um, in particular vata, so uh, Vata has one of its prime, the primary seat of Vata is in the colon and in the kind of nether regions. So having a good Apana Vata is what it's called. It's this downward force that governs anything from menstruation to 
excretion to ur- to urinating. And that's really what Aparnavata covers. The other doshas are generally, we consider them to be quite stationary in the body. They don't move without vata. So vata is the thing that helps everything circulate through the body. Mm. It helps um, the nutrients be sort of distributed throughout the channels of the body. So if that if that channel is somehow kind of obstructed, that's when these issues tend to occur. Um, and they can occur. So, for example, um, PCOS will happen to mainly Kaffir people usually because there is, but the problem is with Vata. The, the Vata in the body, it's not necessarily for Vata people, the Vata in the body, there is a problem. They say that it's like the eggs are stuck in the mud. Mm. That's how it gets described. Um, so PCOS is described as the eggs get stuck in the mud. Yeah. That's quite a in visual, the- metaphorical kind of way to describe what is happening. Yeah. So the eggs are getting stuck and therefore cysts are forming and often don't you don't get ovulation um, yeah. and therefore flow. Um, yeah because there is a sort of block in the way in which um, this is circulating, this sort of yes. cyclical pattern is circulating. And you mentioned it being like it tends to happen in kapha people. What, yeah. what, how would you describe someone who's kapha? What's, what, is, what does that say about their constitution? So kapha is kind of um, that kind of grandmother energy. So somebody like me, I'm quite kapha. Mm. So has usually a lot of hair, like quite curvy, very calm and gentle. Like these sorts of people are Kaffir people. They're kind of like um, the people that hold everyone together, the people that kind of um, the support for everybody. Um, My teacher on my course, the way she described Kaffir, it's like Kaffir's like Mother Earth. Like she's kind of like, yes, walk on me. I've got you. I'm holding you. But sometimes the flip side of that is that they can often um, neglect themselves, um, neglect their own care um, and put everybody else before themselves and hold all of their sort of fears and insecurities and anxiousness inside um, and without expressing it too much. They don't want to sort of, um, they don't want to upset anyone and they don't want to sort of put their issues on anybody else. So it can be this really sort of inward, this this inward pain that they deal with a lot of the time. Mm. So in holding, does that relate to the, to how the body expresses itself in this way? Yeah, because... Holding a lot of that in, holding is generally quite a, it's such a, a strong thing. In that holding, there's an obstruction to the Apanavata area, which affects the Vata function of the downward motion. So when we say the eggs are stuck in the mud, um, it's a Vata problem because when, when the eggs come out, there are five to six eggs with no strength. And so... Um, there's little because there's little energy, the egg is not maturing to come out. 
So the body doesn't receive the message to um, to receive the egg in a sense. So that's why this sorts of sort of thing happens. But it's there's more than one dosha involved usually. So for example, with something like um, endometriosis, it, there'll be emotionally there'll be a lot of anger because the inflammation, which anger heat is involved with um, inflammation. And so there's inflammation of the endometrium. And then something like uh, fibroids is also involved with kapha because there's growth. There's a, there's a strong growth element happening there, which is sort of another kind of holding, but it's, a, it's different to PCOS. PCOS is fear, whereas um, fibroids are kind of like a sadness or sorrow or guilt that holding on to guilt, which will then sort of manifest itself in the growth of fibroids. So depending on how they sort of present themselves, we have to treat them differently. This is so fascinating. So PCOS in particular seems to represent a holding of emotion, but the emotion that seems to be particularly um, pertinent to pay attention to in patients who present with PCOS is fear. Yeah, fear or an anxiety, or it doesn't have to be a fear that is present now. Mm-hmm. It can be fear from something you experienced early on in life. It can be um, fear from, because nine times out of 10, when we speak to people and we ask them, is this, does this, has you have you experienced this in your family? Nine times out of 10, they'll say, yes, my mother also had PCOS or my grandmother had PCOS or they'll have some sort of gynecological issue that has kind of been fed down. And and so that's been fed down in the genes. So whether you're experiencing, you know, any kind of fear or anxiety in life currently, if that isn't there, it's worth exploring where it has presented itself in your lineage with your, with your mother or your grandmother and... It's also really worth um, the thing that we like to ask patients is um, when this began, when you started noticing it, was there anything happening at the time? And I guess my question is, you know, she had, if we can consider PCOS to represent or the underlying imbalance being um, too much fear that the body is expressing within the body, how would an Ayurvedic um, consultant manage that on, I guess, a, 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 a deep nervous system level? Like, wh- how, how would you go about that? So the first thing I think would be encouraging them to talk, encouraging them to open up about what it is, where it started, because sometimes they don't even realise until you you pose that question to them. Like you, like you said, like, a lot of the time the dots aren't connected. And so when you go back and ask these questions, that's that's really the first thing. In, in Ayurveda, we call it chikitsa. And chikitsa means to, it means to poke into someone's heart. Mm. So it's kind of like this real heart-to-heart connection mm. in understanding where it comes from and opening up, up gently to them and offering them this sort of viewpoint that, you know, oh, okay, this was going on at the time when 
these symptoms started. And that's sometimes such a huge thing in in and of itself to understand that, okay, this really difficult thing was happening and this is the way my body is dealing with it, possibly because I haven't verbalized it or, you know, I haven't cried about it or I haven't released this emotion for it. So that's the, that would be the first um, the first thing that I would look at. But that's a very incredibly gentle, gentle thing. And trusting the patient to open up in their own time and when they feel like they are trusting and they feel safe to do so, that's really, really important. Mm. The second, the other really important thing is to look at um, – just diet and lifestyle is a huge, huge thing because along with that kind of emotional response in the body becomes, you know, the choices that we make in terms of what we're eating, um, the way that we're living, the time that we're allowing ourselves, the care that we're giving ourselves, whether that be what we're reaching for um, or the way that we're responding to other people. And I say that to everybody, in, irrespective of what their current dosha imbalance is, is just go slow. Give yourself that time. Giving yourself that time and energy is the most important thing because that's going to really allow you to um, give yourself that care, give yourself that time, give yourself that sort of awareness to not only nourish yourself with what's good for you, but to also, you know, take care with the herbs that you're taking um, to sort of allow that balance to really restore itself. It's kind of the flip side of how it usually is. You know, if you go to somebody and you say, you know, I'm having problems with weight, they'll be like, okay, you got to go to the gym and eat salads. And, you know, it's this very fast paced um, response to something. Whereas in Ayurveda, we're like, okay, what else is going on? What else are you dealing with? How are you feeling? How's your job? How's your relationships? How is all of that stuff? Like, tell me everything. And then from there, we kind of get all of this information and we get usually get really, we understand what their body is trying to say. And then we kind of gently feed that back. And then it's this slow approach to healing. Mm. It's allowing, I, I really hear this approach, giving the body, the person, space to feel yeah the actual emotions that they are feeling yeah rather than rush to a solution to fix the feeling it's actually allowing the body and the person to feel the emotion the body is carrying because you've got to feel it to heal it yeah 100% and it's the like fears that my mom had as a child around certain things. And that I noticed the same fear of these particular things show up in me and the way that I respond to these things. Well, um, that's, that's very in line with what is said through the book that I was referring to before. It didn't start with you. So in experiments that have been done with mice, there is a fear response that through you know they're given some sort of um some sort of smell and then initially one generation of mice uh were was were hurt or 
after a smell um, was given. And two generations down, when that smell is given to those mice, they have the same, they have a fear response, even though they were yeah. never directly hurt. Um, it's horrible thinking of mice being hurt in the environments, to be honest. But this is just to demonstrate that we inherit, we inherit fear. We inherit, um, we inherit these emotions. And that's just to demonstrate that this is happening in mice, but this is happening for people as well. So there seems as though fear in my patient's perspective has been passed down in some way and may also, so it may have been inherited, it may have been acquired. and I guess um, in in my particular patient's um, case, there seems to have been um, what I find quite fascinating is there seems to have been like some there was some um, uh, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy, given to her grandmother. It's unclear on the age of that, but I just was very struck by the this therapy being expressed through the scalp um and obviously we have you know and 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 i guess the patient's uh hair falling out of her scalp it just felt sort of weirdly reminiscent of like an expression of 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 something generational um one thousand percent that it just to me that's very clear mm. such a clear um emotional response to something that is still within her cells that have been passed down yes incredible yeah it really it it really struck me and also that through this book as well it talks about the core language that we use and she used the word shock quite a few times so when she when she's just started having symptoms she felt really shocked um she used that she used those words so I just was really struck by by this sort of shock that has seems to have been reverberated through the generations um and perhaps being expressed um in this way in her case through hair loss and we hear you know we hear that you know when we are really stressed and so in fear we lose our hair you know I'm losing my hair you know we we, we talk about that um as is common parlance um but it's it's a reaction I guess like to um to high levels of of, of stress and it seems as though this this was re- this is related. So I'm really hearing with an Ayurvedic perspective, there's an understanding of the intergenerational trauma piece, but also and an, and a realization that actually we need to be dealing with the with the with the fear that um may be being expressed through the body. Um and we need to sort of the so managing that on a nervous system level or an emotional level, I should say, um is is how that should be tackled. Am I am I right? Is that is that is that how it would be generally managed in the Ayurvedic system? Definitely. And the, you know the food that we advise people to eat, and and that can really vary from person to person. So you know it wouldn't be right for me to give that information because obviously there's so many other things that are um, taken into consideration. It's that's. Uh, unique to every single person so no one one kaffir person will not have the same diet as another kaffir person it's it's completely different mm. 
So that's a huge thing. And also the herbs that we, you know, we advise play a huge part in regulating the nervous system. Mm. Uh, so in this case, I mean, I just want to preempt again, this isn't a blanket um this isn't a blank this isn't blanket advice for anybody that's suffering with the same thing. It's really see a practitioner or, or see a healthcare professional and to determine what your um your personal imbalance is. But something in this case, something like Shatavari, which is an amazing, um, it's an amazing, powerful herb that we often prescribe. It's really um like a building block really of um of for, for the body it's um it gives you that feminine energy back so because it is it has estrogen it helps to encourage estrogen in the body because it encourages estrogen in the body that can really help with hair loss mm. oh how interesting so that might actually be um i wonder if that would be helping with an imbalance at, 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 at a, um, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So you st- because it's a hormonal imbalance, you still have to be careful with the herbs that you prescribe, mm-hmm. um, which I keep sort of, you know, reinforcing this isn't blanket advice. So to, don't go out there and think, oh, I need Chitauri, I'm going to go get some, because the amount that you have to take can vary and we have to sort of go through a therapeutic trial to just you know see what's really working for you sometimes people can take a certain amount of shatavari and it's like whoa whoa too much and the body will because it's so powerful and the body will kind of react in a certain way so we really have to you know tailor that really precisely for the patient taking that along with something like ashwagandhadi which is not ashwagandha it's ashwagandhadi so it's it's balanced with um, loads of different herbs. So it, ashwagandha can, on its own, can increase other symptoms in the body. So we always advise not to just prescribe yourself ashwagandha um, because it can tip you into a whole other imbalance if you're not careful. So taking something like ashwagandha with shatavari is really nice. It's so soothing and calming. And it just helps to bring that fearful energy back down. Oh, also, if there is high anxiety, um, you know, there's other things such as yoga raja gugulu, and but a really, really um, accessible and simple thing that you can do for yourself if um, if you're struggling with something like this is coriander water or coriander tea. And this is so brilliant. It's so beautiful because it's something that you can find in your cupboard at home. Um, and it's basically just if depending on where you are, if it's, you know, if you're in a hot country or if you're in the summer, you just crush three teaspoons of it in 200 mils of water. And you take that, you strain it and drink it first thing in the morning, or you make a tea out of it with some slices of ginger and you drink that first thing in the morning and it just helps to um, increase any circulation. So it helps to move that excess thought away from the brain and just redistribute it back into the body to sort of bring that anxious energy back down. 
Um, the, in from a herbal aspect, that's what we would generally look towards. Um, but for me, the biggest thing is um, most of the time people just want to feel heard and listened to and, you know, they want to sort of delve deeper into that emotional piece of what's been held inside for so long and, and what they, they don't realise is connected to it. It sounds so simple and it sounds like, you know, it sounds so simple that it can't just be that simple, but yeah. it is. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's what we want from all of our relationships, you know, um, our partnerships, our family, and importantly, our health practitioners, you know, we're coming to... Um, people with within um any health profession that we seek we want to be heard and understood and reassured um mm. and so often um the current western health system just doesn't afford yeah. the time and space for that um emotional peace to happen and um it has an impact and um and it's it's actually it's just it's no person's fault. It's just, it's the system yeah. that is just yeah. not actually giving space for that emotional peace to be expressed and therefore um, moved and released, and so it's held within the the body, and that will continue to perpetuate um, disease. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really important that uh, there is space somewhere us to process our emotions whether that be through talking or whether that be through some other somatic body work um so that yeah emotions can actually move through us rather than being be held within us um so yeah does ayurveda um ever use and i don't think that does it ever use um practices like acupressure acupuncture any body work to help with the movement of 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 emotions yes there is something called mama point therapy um which is sort of ayurveda's answer to acupuncture or acupressure um there's 108 mama points on the body which can be sort of gently stimulated to encourage a different, um, to encourage sort of circulation. Um, another thing that is really, uh, really powerful includes those, those both of those things are, is um, panchakarma. And panchakarma is a really deep detoxifying and rejuvenating um, practice that is done in Ayurveda and they advise women to have that before they're thinking to have children because um, in terms of having a child, like you're channeling this energy from another realm. Um, You're not choosing it. It's choosing you. They're choosing you. And so in order to ensure that you're not, then passing down this energy, panchakarma is really a, a beautiful thing to go through. It's a beautiful practice to to seek out. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd need to speak to a practitioner first to sort of um, understand um, the process and whether it's right for you. 
and they'll usually um, advise you where to go to have this done. Um, but yes, in terms of massage, the sort of, especially with something like anxiety, the massage part of Ayurveda is really helpful because it really looks at the lymphatic system. The, the massaging is really sort of helpful for people with anxiety because that in itself brings the nervous system down quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And moves you away from the mind and the thoughts and into the body, which yeah. can be really um, grounding and helpful for someone who... Um, finds themselves in the air <laughs> but that's been really helpful and really taking away that the ayurvedic system really uh sees pcos in relation to the emotion of fear which yeah. is can be acquired or inherited um yeah. movement like you know working with our circulation of energy um whether that be through massage or body work um is really encouraged and important just to get the energy and the strength back into the eggs um and there are a selection of herbs that actually may be helpful in balancing the hormones but all of this needs to be done on an individual case-by-case basis with an Ayurvedic practitioner. But this has just been really amazing food for thought because Dr. Body, Mind, Soul is all about learning from other health systems just to be able to offer alternatives. You know, are there any alternatives? So often doctors don't know there are other ways to view the body in health and in illness. And so I just want to provide a platform just to open a discussion and share that there are other ways that we can um we can we can think of these um, pathologies and that opens up different solutions that may be possible. And this um as I say, this needs to all be discussed with a with a with a with a particular health practitioner on a case by case basis before any herbs are taken and any body work is done. Um, but it's amazing just to open up to the possibility that there are possibilities and there are other ways. Um, so I really thank you for your wisdom and I thank you for um, yeah, your perspective and sharing the Ayurvedic perspective with us here today. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been, this is one of my favourite topics to talk about and the fact that it's related so much to sort of ancestral and generational trauma. Like I think it's an important piece for people to open their eyes and their hearts to. Um, So thank you for um, giving me the space to talk about it as well. It's been really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, Body, Mind, Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.